What is up, my brothers and sisters, my agents of respect? It's your boy, Trey Johnson, back with another episode of the No Disrespect But Podcast. Before we get started, make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Always feel free to comment. You know, just keep them comments respectful. Really excited. Also want to say if you're interested in supporting your favorite podcaster, the link will be in the bio. You can do that for as little as 99 cents per month. So appreciate the support and all the love from all my agents of respect. And y'all, this is one of my favorite times of the year. Y'all can see I'm kind of a big boy. So Thanksgiving holiday has always been a favorite of mine. Uh, I was always the, the kid that stayed up late while the grown-ups were cooking so I can get my little taste in. So while everybody else was eating for the first time, I already had a little bit of my fill, my greedy behind. I always had room for the main course. And so um, always been excited, exciting time of the year for me. But not just the food, not just the family and the fellowship of getting together, but football. Football has been a staple for this holiday for as long, definitely as long as I can remember, but as long as you were playing with the pigskin, Thanksgiving has been that holiday where you're gathering around, watching the TV screen. During halftime, you're outside playing football. It's always been a big part of it. And so I'm really excited because from the college standpoint and the NFL standpoint, it's not just some games going on. It's some rivalry games going on. And you know me as a member of Who That Nation and Roll Tide Roll, baby. It's a big weekend for us, um, not just so much as the rivalry as we're playing Auburn and the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons, as I said, F-A-I-L-C-O-N-S. Um, there's some implications, of course, with the rivalry and who's going to have the bragging rights for the next year, of course. But also when it comes to uh, Alabama trying to stay the course of their championship run, hopefully to get to the college football playoff and bring another natty to Tuscaloosa. But obviously you have to play who's in front of you. And so Auburn uh, is right now. And then, of course, you have Georgia coming up in the SEC championship next weekend. But again, we focus on now when it comes to the Saints. Obviously, them in Atlanta are vying for what's left of the poor NFC South. And so there's a chance for the Saints to extend their lead. But there's also a chance for the Falcons, you know, as part of the race to close the gap a little bit and vie for that playoff spot in division title. But all those those two games and those four teams are going to be the highlight of today's show. Also want to talk about some other games, both in college and in the NFL that I usually enjoy uh, watching and really excited for, especially from the college football standpoint. As much like the Alabama-Auburn game, there are some matchups coming up that have some very steep implications on conference title berths, on college football playoff berths, things of that nature. And so I'm really, really excited to talk about all of them. And so just kind of standing out, you know, let's start with college. We want to start with college first and then go with the NFL. College games, you know, really every single one I love as much as many games as I can watch. I'm going to try to watch. But of course, that doesn't always happen. But they know some key matchups coming up. You got Oregon versus Oregon State, known as the Civil War. This matchup has been going on since 1894. That's a long time. And unfortunately, because of the end of the Pac-12, as we know it, with Oregon going to the Big Ten, 
This is the last Civil War matchup for the foreseeable future. Uh, there's been no talks, at least to my knowledge, of uh, reigniting this rivalry. So um, as far as we are concerned, this is the last time these two teams will meet um, in the Civil War. And so there's big implications uh, for both teams. Oregon State coming off a tough loss, tough home loss to the University of Washington, where they really kind of had it in the bag and just kind of pooed it away. You know, they're they're trying to find a, or get a chance to, you know, have a, a, a conference title berth and and a chance to have a rematch with Washington for that conference title. Um, but they also have a chance. Again, this is the last Civil War matchup going on. They have a chance to have bragging rights for all time, for the rest of all time, you know, to say that, hey, we won the last of these, just like Oklahoma State. Um, in Bedlam, beating Oklahoma. They have the bragging rights now that Oklahoma's going to the SEC. So Oklahoma State, for the foreseeable future, maybe for the rest of time, has, you know, the bragging rights. So you can see Oregon State want to do the same thing. Again, yeah, there's implications as them trying to be Pac-12 champions because you'd rather you be the Pac-12 champions instead of Oregon and Washington who are leaving your um, conference or the reason why your conference is ending, right? to Oregon State having the chance to be the last Pac-12 champion as we know it and knocking off Oregon and having another shot at Washington in the process. It's a big deal for them. Um, but let's talk about Oregon. Oregon has a lot to play for. Yeah, we're talking about a chance at a Pac-12 championship berth, a Pac-12 championship win uh, with them also getting uh, a possible chance at revenge against Washington, who is their only loss of the season, which I think they lost on like a fourth and goal attempt. So, uh, or fourth and short. So they probably walked away from that game saying, man, if we did some things, and there were some things, you know, there were some decisions made by coach Dan landing in that game, where if you kick a few field goals, you win that game. So they're probably thinking, Hey, if we get another shot at Washington, we're winning that game. And here's the thing. If they go into that PAC 12 championship with one loss and they can knock off Washington, you might have an argument for the Oregon Ducks. You might have an argument, you know, in terms of them being able to get one of those four uh, prestigious uh, berths in the college football playoffs. So that's what Oregon is playing for. And then if we're talking about from an individual standpoint, uh, Bo Nix has been on the tear. Uh, those of you who are Bama fans, you know him as a guy who used to play for the University of Auburn. And, you know, he had one good year against us. And then after that, not so much. But since he's been uh, in Eugene, he's been on the tear. He's been one of the better quarterbacks in college football. And that's including last year. And this year, he just kind of took whatever he was on last year and put it on steroids and has been one of the better quarterbacks in the entire nation and is right behind Heisman favorite Jaden Daniels. So, a big performance against Oregon State, who has one of the better defenses um, in the in the nation, let alone the conference. Having a big performance against them, having a big performance in the conference title game, maybe getting you a chance to go to the college football playoff. You might, you're definitely going to see Bo Nix in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony, but you just might see Bo Nix taking home that Heisman Trophy. So who knows? But there are a lot of things to play for both team-wise and individual-wise. And so I'm excited for this matchup. I know Oregon's favored by two touchdowns, but I think the way Oregon State plays defense, they play hard. You saw how how much 
pressure they put on Penix or on Michael Penix Jr. and that offensive line or that offense in Washington, I think they can give Oregon State or Oregon some of those same issues, uh, especially getting to the quarterback. Now, um, I also love what they can do offensively. Uh, it's going to be real key. I think one of the reasons why they were able to slow down Washington is because Oregon State was able to hold on to the ball and possess the ball for a large amount of time, you know, because they can put the ball on the ground, both at the quarterback position and at the running back position. Um, you got Damian Martinez at running back, 6'2", 230, I believe. Doesn't really look like it, but, you know, he, he has some wiggle to him, very swift, but he can – nail into you if he needs to. And then obviously everybody knows DJ Ukulele. I think I pronounced that right. Sorry, uh, DJ, uh, former Clemson quarterback, and now over at Oregon State. And while he didn't have his best game against Washington, I know there's some plays he left out on the field. Um, knowing what type of kid he is, young man he is, I think he has a you know a, a chip on his shoulder as well. He wants to have a bounce-back performance um, and a chance to – you know, do some great things for the Oregon State Beavers. So we'll see. A lot to play for. Uh, I think it's going to be a good game. I know, like I said, I know Oregon's favored big, but I think the way Oregon State is going to be able to possess the ball a little bit, it might be somewhat closer. Um, if I had to choose, and I'm going to choose, I, I do think Oregon pulls away. Now, for selfish reasons, I need Oregon State to win this game. Why? Oregon currently is ahead of Alabama in the college football playoff rankings. And so I would love for – New Oregon to lose this game. They would have two losses on the year. They obviously would fall back in the rankings um, behind Alabama. I need that for selfish reasons as well. Um, but I don't know if I'm too confident in picking Oregon State in this game. I don't know if they can make enough plays. I don't know if they can make enough defensive stops um, through the totality of that game to stop Bo Nix and that um, high potent offense. So Picking that game, I'm going to go with Oregon to close that out, maybe pull away a little bit late in the winning by 10 or 13. So we'll see. They still won't cover because I think they're favored by 13 and a half, but relatively close. Now, the game. The game. That's what it's called. Y'all know what it is. The Ohio State University versus Michigan. You know, the cheaters. Anyways, um, Big Ten title game implications. I know everybody's thinking about the – the college football playoff picture, and rightfully so. But first things first, these two teams have to decide who's going to be representing the other half of the Big Ten um, in the Big Ten championship. And I believe um, the winner plays Iowa. I think Iowa uh, was able to secure their bid. So with that being said, you know, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of talk, especially with this scandal, this cheating scandal with Michigan and the sign stealing. And you got folks on Ohio State side saying, man, look, it makes sense now. We've been kicking Michigan's ass for years. And then all of a sudden they start playing on our level where it makes sense because their defensive side, the ball was still in signs and yada, yada, yada. So you got a bunch of people on Ohio State side talking and chirping, saying, hey, man, now that we that we know y'all game, know that y'all was cheating. Y'all got to get this action. And you got people on Michigan side say, look, man, y'all can say what y'all want. But guess what? The games had to be played. The players had to play on the field. And we've been dominating y'all the past couple of years with C.J. Stroud at quarterback. You know, C.J. Stroud, who is arguably the not only the rookie of the year in the National Football League, but the most valuable player in the National Football League. Yeah, that guy, he's not there. And he got his behind whooped two years in a row. 
And so Michigan, they have a chip on their shoulder saying, hey, y'all can talk about all this type of stuff, all that cheating. Guess what? We still big, bad, and blue, and we are going to do what we got to do. And so you, they, they're hosting Ohio State. You know, their fans are going to be rabid. Their fans are going to be ready and raging and saying, hey, we're going to uh, lead our team and help lead our team to victory. Because, one, you want that Big Ten title. You want those bragging rights of winning the game for uh, the next year. And you pretty much secure your spot. I think the loser, if you had, I'm telling you right now, the loser of this game, I don't care if it's close or a big margin of victory. The loser of this game is out. Why do I say that? Look at their respective schedules. Ohio State hasn't really played too many people. Michigan hasn't really played too many people. The Big Ten, outside of those teams, usually sucks. So it's not getting as much prestige as it once did, which is why a USC, a Oregon, a University of Washington want to go to that conference. It's going to bring up that level of prestige that uh, SEC has with some of its teams and being loaded with your Alabamas, your Georgia, your LSUs so on and so forth. So Big Ten is really trying to push that um, perspective. And, you know, this might be a shot, but I just think with what they've, um, they're out of conference schedule, I think they're in, even their in-conference schedule and even some of the close calls to some teams that weren't really as good from a record standpoint. Like we've seen Ohio State have tons of close calls. We've seen Michigan have a few close calls, but not as many as Ohio State. So I just truly believe that the loser of this game is out because you got to think about a Washington or Oregon who might be a, a conference champion, a University of Texas who might be a conference champion, a University of Alabama who might be a conference champion. So it will just be hard, uh, in my opinion, for the loser of this game to keep a spot. Much I mean, Last year they were able to run the table, but – um, I know Ohio State lost this game last year, but still was able uh, to get a college football playoff spot. Not too many people were happy with that, but the only team that had an argument against them was a two-loss Alabama. So, you know, two-loss Alabama or one-loss Ohio State, it kind of made sense. I think now you have so many one-loss teams that can end up being one-loss teams at the end of the year. It's going to be hard for a one-loss team uh, out of this matchup, this Ohio State and Michigan matchup, uh, to make it. But we talk about what Michigan Michigan is trying to prove. Ohio State's trying to prove something, you know, um, are really known for being a, a kind of finesse type of team over the last few years. They've been real physical. That defense has been physical. Um, that offensive line has been physical and, um, you know, establishing the run game. Um, so I think, you know, McCord, he has a lot to prove. This could be his time to say, hey, I know. I'm not the C.J. Stroud, the J.T. Barrett, you know, the Justin Fields. But, hey, I'm a starting quarterback at The Ohio State University. That means something to me. And you know Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, everybody knows the game plan. They're going to try to give him the ball. Michigan's going to try to have a game plan to not let him get the ball. But he is who he is. Great players have to make plays in this game on both ends. And that goes for J.J. McCarthy, who's a Heisman candidate who's a first-round prospect in the NFL draft, a Blake Corum, uh, whose season ended with injury last year, kind of wanting to be in this game, hungry, wanting to make a difference. So, man, this is the game. This is one of my favorite games during Thanksgiving weekend because over the past few years, it's had so many implications from a, a national title picture 
standpoint. And so nothing, the more things change, the more they remain the same. And so uh, really excited for this matchup. Now, this ain't even for selfish reasons. I truly just don't like people that cheat the game. I don't care if Jim Harbaugh knew or not. But when that stands in your program, I kind of don't want you to succeed. I don't think you deserve to succeed. I don't think that our national champions or those in the national championship picture should have an asterisk. But besides that, besides that, I do think that Ohio State is the better team. I just do. I know all this talk about J.J. McCarthy, but Blake Corm is the better player. And I think if you can stop the run game, which I think Ohio State will make a point to stop the run game and try to force J.J. McCarthy to beat them, I don't think he will be able to make enough plays. I think uh, Kyle McCord is going to stay within the game. He's going to manage it well. I think they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit more than the Wolverines can on Michigan's side. And I think not only will, not only will Ohio State win this game, I have Ohio State winning this game by double digits. So all you people that's going to be in the shoe, I know you pissed off at me right now. I am sorry, but um, I got to go to Ohio State on this one. And I think Ohio State is out to prove a point. I think Coach Ryan Day is tired of the talk. Shit, he went after, uh, you know, Coach Lou Holtz. So I think he's tired of the, you know, the, the shit talking about his program and who he is as a head coach and how his players are solved. And I think he's coming with a point to come into Michigan's house, come into Michigan's house and beat them and beat them badly. I got Ohio State by double digits. That's just me. Now, another matchup, one team you'll be like, OK, I understand that. But the other team, probably not so much. But Florida and Florida State. That's real key. And you're like, Trey, Florida sucks this year. They're five and six. Well, yeah, but if they win this game, guess what? They're six and six and they're both eligible. That's something that Coach Billy Napier can hang his hat on, can hang his hat on in recruiting, hang on his hang his hat on on guys and making sure they don't enter the transfer portal and saying, hey, we were a 500 ball team, but we got to go to a bowl game. You maybe win the bowl game. Got a lot of positive momentum. I know you got a, a really stud of a quarterback coming in next year. Hey, that's something to build upon. You're beating a, a rival. You have a chance to knock your rival out of the college football playoff. Because I don't care what nobody says. Without Jordan Travis, and if you have one loss, regardless if you end up going to the A, you will go to the AC Championship game versus Louisville. Regardless if you beat Louisville, with that one loss against a six-loss team, you are not making the college football playoff. That's just what it's going to be. And so... Florida has a chance to play spoiler and, you know, kind of help some of the SEC buddies. I mean, fuck Georgia, but, you know, we want to help Bama out a little bit. You know, sorry about, you know, beating y'all three years ago, but it don't matter, man. It don't matter. You know, if y'all want to help us out a little bit, that will be great. Um, and so, you know, UF has a chance to, to, like I said, play spoiler. But Florida State has a chance to show that, hey, we are a resilient program. They've had some close calls this season. We talked about some of the close calls of the Washingtons and the Ohio States and Michigans and all those of the world. Florida State has had some close calls as well. And it's not going to get any better because they just lost one of the best players in the nation, not just at the quarterback position, but just in general, Jordan Travis, heck of a young man, heck of a student athlete, was having a great season, probably one of the better seasons ever by a Florida State quarterback. Have them firmly uh, in the title picture, and then against North Alabama on a run, on a run, trying to scramble. 
breaks his looked like he broke his ankle, but whether it was his ankle or lower leg, it's over and his season's over and his his college football career is over. And I wish him the best of luck in the National Football League. Hope he's able to heal uh relatively quickly, uh relatively effectively. Um and and he's able to make a career um in the National Football League. He's a guy that was maybe a fringe first rounder between first three, first two or three rounds. And who knows what that might be. And, I, and look, I'll say this before I, I, I really focus on the game. Whoever gets that young man, you have a steal. You're going to have somebody that's going to work hard. You're going to have somebody that's going to be a, a great leader and a great locker room guy. And I think a guy that's going to give you uh, a chance to win a lot of football games. So, Jordan, rest up, man. Uh, heal up. Looking forward to watching you on Sundays, man. Really looking forward to that. And so with that in mind, I, I think – a lot of people at that point, they wrote Florida State off. They're like, shit, Jordan Travis is gone. There is no shot that they can stay in the national title picture. There's no shot that they can you know, win this game against the University of Florida, despite of how bad Florida's been. There's no chance they can still win the ACC championship against Louisville. There's no chance. And, you know, if Coach Nor Norvell is the, is the type of guy I think he is, the type of guy he's shown to be, the resilient he, he's had, you know, he's one of those guys that every year they're saying that somebody else is about to take his job at Florida State. And he comes in, keeps his head down, makes sure his, his young men and his coaches are ready to play. And this year, I think through, uh, you know, development of their own players, getting some key players like Keon Coleman in the transfer portal. Jared Verse was another transfer portal guy who's going to be a, a top 10 pick on the defensive side of the ball. I think they might be ready. Now, I'm not – I'm a little nervous. I'm one of those people that's probably calling me out, to be quite honest with you, because Jordan Travis meant so much. Um, but we'll see. They got a new quarterback in. He's a senior as well, so he, he's not some new guy. He's not some, you know, bushy-eyed freshman. He's a guy that has some experience under his belt. He's been in your system, right? I think uh, uh, he's a senior, a four-year guy. So who knows? It might be his shot. He might take that opportunity now with the week to prepare for, for an in-state rival. Who knows? And so this game means so much because guess what? If Florida State loses this game, they are done. Their chance at a national title, it's over. I'm telling you right now. And guess what? If the University of Florida loses – I know my boy B. Fall Ghost is going to be upset, but guess what? Who else is going to be upset? Boosters, athletic, the athletic director, and I think the university president at University of Florida is going to be upset because Billy Napier coming out of Louisiana last year was supposed to be a home run hire. People in the state of Louisiana were upset, who were LSU fans, were upset that Billy Napier was allowed to go to Florida as opposed to getting the job over Brian Kelly at LSU. And all that's been shown is that Brian Kelly has been a better coach and has been better at building the program at LSU than Billy Napier has been at building the program at University of Florida up until this point. And so I don't think the leash is very long with Billy Napier at the University of Florida. So if he goes, finishes the season losing seven games, five and seven, that basically means you're not going to go to a bowl. All that momentum I was talking about that you have if you win and become bowl eligible, you kind of lose it. And then you're starting to hear, okay, is coach Billy Napier, is he on the hot seat? Or is, is, is University of Florida going to be looking at another hot shot candidate? Because that's a champ. That's a program that's about championships now. That's a that's a program that's about championships. I mean, they fired a coach and Dan Mullen, one year removed 
from going to the SEC championship game and being really close to beating the University of Alabama. You know, the, the team that won 13 straight SEC games? Yeah, Dan Mullen was giving them a run for their money. And after a season, he was, after another season, he was fired. So clearly the people over in Gainesville, they have expectations, right? And so pretty soon, Coach Napier, you're going to have to start um, abiding by those expectations or hopefully find yourself uh, another home in Lafayette, Louisiana. Maybe that opportunity is there again, but who knows? Now, last college matchup, come on, man, the Iron Bowl. The best, the best, the greatest rivalry, and not just college football to me, but one of the greatest in all the sports. I mean, record doesn't matter. Coaches doesn't matter. The number of stars on the players, it does not matter, whether it is in Tuscaloosa, whether it is in uh, Jordan Hare Stadium. It does not matter. These two teams, these two in-state rivals, everybody who roots for either one, they cannot stand one another this this rivalry goes past just two programs this rivalry goes past just players that have you know the the the, the letters and the logos on their helmets and their jerseys this is truly war fair it really is and to have the bragging rights i mean there's been years well, the University of Alabama have ruined Auburn's hopes. There have been years where Auburn has ruined Alabama's hopes and not just national titles, but SEC titles. This matchup means something. It does not matter when, where, how, what the record is, who's involved. You are going to get bloodshed in this matchup. These two teams hate each other. And... We are going to be playing by we, I mean, the University of Alabama. My Crimson Tide will be playing in Jordan-Hare Stadium. And for y'all that don't know, there's just something about Jordan-Hare. There is something about Auburn Jesus, as we call them, because there are just certain things that happen in these games, like the kick six or, you know, Mac throwing the ball to uh, Najee, but it's behind him, and the defender grabs it from behind, grabs it from Najee and takes it for a touchdown, there are just certain things that happen in this matchup. And I know Coach Saban, he was like, I've heard all that, but I just felt like the better team always won these matchups. Coach, I love you, but you are wrong. They have some type of voodoo, some awesome, some, some, some holy presence that allows just these crazy things to happen. But, but, me and the rest of the Crimson Tide faithful. We've been doing our praying. Hopefully, hopefully your checks have made it to Birmingham. Hopefully your checks have made it to Birmingham, people. You cannot play around. Make sure you send your, your tithing to Birmingham because we are on a mission. A mission that after week two of this season, after being beat by 10 points, and everybody acts like it was a blowout, while Texas did dominate the trenches in that game, we were very much in that game, right? But since week two, we have been one of the best, if not the best team in the nation. And, you know, after that loss, a lot of people have written us off. A lot of people that, that are fans, they're going, they're going to be going crazy all week. They're going to be crazy this weekend on Saturday. They wrote off the program, they wrote off the quarterback, they wrote off Coach Saban, they wrote off other players. And guess what? 
Tyler Booker, credit to him, uh, has been a constant on our offensive line. He said, hey, everything we want to achieve is still in front of us. Everything, all of our goals, winning games, SEC West title, SEC championship, national championship aspirations, they are still there for us. And that's the truth. Shout out to those young men. They rallied together. We, we had an episode. We're talking about the Alabama standard and how, look, that's a myth. It's not about some, some mythical standard you have to be up to. You guys have to decide for yourself what do you want the outcome of your season to be. And to their credit, they did it. They did it. It wasn't always pretty, but they banded together. They got it done. And we're at this point, SEC West locked up, and it can be very, very, very easy to overlook the Auburn Tigers, who got their asses kicked by New Mexico State at home. It can be very easy to overlook them and say, ah, just the Auburn Tigers, they're not that good. It could be if you didn't know what this rivalry meant, if you didn't know what this game meant. It means everything, not just for the goals that we set in the season and in terms of the championship aspirations. Nah, it means everything for these two programs to say that we won this matchup. Other than 2017, that one didn't matter. We won the next championship. But, or, you know, well, the 2017 Iron Bowl didn't matter. We won the championship in 2018 in January 2018. But, you know, what I mean, I'm excited. And what's crazy is I'm not even going to really be able to watch the whole game. Like, I'm going to be listening to it in the car. I'm going to try to convince my wife. We have somewhere to be in, in Fort Worth. I'm trying to convince her to drive so I can watch. That's just how fixated, like, I I personally don't want to miss this game because something always happens, even in games, but there have been blowouts. There's just some plays that happen that you do not want to miss, and I do not want to miss this Iron Bowl. I don't. One reason being, I think Alabama truly puts people on notice. And then, and and and, and and, you know, we can have one of those games at Jordan Hill where we just squeak by. We've had those. We've had those where we just squeak by. Or we can go in the road into Jordan Hill, which is like when, when the Bible talks about the valleys of the, the valley of the shadow of death, I think they were foreshadowing about Jordan Hare Stadium. I, I really, I really do. And we can go in there and not just win. But dominate? Oh man, I think it, I think it puts everybody on notice. I think it puts UGA on notice. I think they're already on notice. But guess what? We gotta handle business now, and it's not just about you know the individual performances. Look, I expect uh, uh, Jalen Milrow to continue the Milrow show. Um, I expect our wide receivers to get a little bit involved. I'm hoping that we can kind of establish that run. You know, a, a few years back we had a game where Brian Robinson. We just said, hey man, hey big fella. This is your game. I, I, I kind of want to see Jason Roydell and Jam, you know, and, and Justin Haynes. I want them to I want them to take over this game. I would just love for a game where we want to run the ball. You know we want to run the ball, and we run the ball effectively. I would love to see a game like that. Um, wanting to be clean, no turnovers, that type of thing. Um, executing in uh, the red zone, the money zone area. Defense. I want flawlessness. You know, we we talked about, you know, um, one of our players talked about sometimes they feel like they're playing, you know, chess 
in the first half, and then in the second half we play Monopoly. But we got to learn. I think that was Terry and uh, Arnold that said, you know, we played chess in the first half, trying to figure it out, and then we played Monopoly, basically we cut everything off in the second half. I want to see us because you know we played you know uh, a lowly opponent last week. You know, I want to see us grow that. I I, I want to see us expand. Upon that, now I want us to play Monopoly from the opening whistle to the end of it. Can we put that game together? Can we finally have a game where all units, offense, defense, special teams, we're just just one tight unit? I think you're going to get that. I think you're going to get a fight from Auburn early on. I do, just because again, it's the nature of this rivalry. It's the nature of this rivalry. It's always been that way, but. And I've had some bad moments as a Bama fan in this matchup that have hurt, hurt hard. But we're just at another level right now. We got another, we we on to something. We want something bigger and better. And right now, Auburn, you are just someone who is in the way. And there's no way we're letting the damn Barn College get in the way of our destiny. It's time. It's time. It's time for Bama to roll and roll big. Bama, wanna be honest with you? Bama by three touchdowns, three extra points, and three field goals. That's 30 if you can do your math. Roll top. Now, as we kind of get to the close, there are a, a few NFL games I just want to touch on. And you know we're gonna get to the Saints and the Falcons, but there's a, a couple in, in NFL that I really like. I um, kind of mentioned every Thanksgiving, love football. And I always enjoy watching the Cowboys play. Uh, even though I hate the Cowboys, it's always kind of good watching them play. They are America's team. You got to give them that respect. And so it's always good watching them play. And they're playing, you know, the commanders this year. Every now and then they play, you know, like some toss-up teams some some sad teams. But in recent years, they've been having some really good matchups on Thanksgiving. And so they're playing the commanders. And and while the commanders are four and seven, they do have Sam Howell, who is leading the league in passing yards. I mean, unfortunately, he's also the most sacked quarterback in the league, which I'm pretty sure Michael Parsons in the game are licking their chops at a chance to hit on the young quarterback in Sam Howell. But, you know, um, rivalry games are, are just, just something. I mean, Peyton Manning said it best. He said there's three different games. There's regular season games. There's postseason games and there's rivalry games um, and, and like a division rivalry games and the commanders who used to be the Redskins and the Cowboys. That's one that's been long as for a long time. You know, this has had division title implications in the past. This has had NFC, you know, supremacy um, implications in the past. And so um, I know it's one of those games that doesn't matter the record. You're going to get both teams' best effort. It doesn't matter what it says on paper. You're going to get a war. And so I think so we're going to get with the commanders and the Cowboys. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you know, Dak's kind of been up and down. He's he's really done well against some of your bad opponents in the league for the most for the most part. But you know, Thursday night or Thursday game, Thanksgiving, Cowboys, it's a tradition. You know, just really excited to see how the Cowboys play, um, especially on offense. Um, you know, there's been a lot of uh, talk about the Cowboys and their receivers and pass catching, but 
where's Tony Pollard? Where's the run game? We like we 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 know the Cowboys were having a level of physicality to an extent, and it just seems like they haven't really been able to um, establish that run game this season. So I'm I'm looking forward to see if they can do that against that front seven um, of the Washington Commanders, who I believe are coming off a game where they had eight or nine sacks. So they clearly can get to the pass rusher. And do you want Dak Prescott and all the the injury issues he's had to be taking those hits from those guys? I'm not sure. And the same thing can be said for Sam Howell. So are they going to – is Eric Bieniemy going to be able to establish a run game? Uh, could this be? Could this be Coach Ron Rivera's last game as head coach of the Washington Commanders? I would like to think that if – not only if the Commanders lose, but they lose big because the Cowboys had um, – a tendency to win their games by a lot of points in the games they do win. So I believe they had six out of their seven wins, six of those have been about 20 or more points. So I assume that if the Cowboys were able to beat on a division rival like that, I think management over a uh, new management, by the way, um, for the Washington commanders are going to make that decision. And I can see Eric B being in, uh, installed as the interim head coach. And hopefully we go on, they go on a winning streak and we see him, uh, implemented as the uh, full-time head coach. So while I do hate the Cowboys, I do love progress more, and I would love Eric being me to get his shot. So uh, how about them Cowboys, I guess? <laughs> Another matchup, and it ain't pretty, much like the Commanders-Cowboys doesn't look all that pretty on paper. Uh, you got the Pittsburgh Steelers who just fired their offensive coordinator. Thank God, Matt Canada, Saints, please take fucking notes. Um so we'll see if we're going to get some offense finally from the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, who have just been inept on that side of the ball. Going against Cincinnati Bengals, who will be out, uh, who be with, who will be without, sorry, um, star quarterback, pro bowler, uh, second best quarterback in the league to some, Joe Burrow, uh, future Hall of Famer in my eyes. And he's out for the season with a wrist injury. And that sucks. Because you want the best players playing at this time of the year, November, December, January. That's usually based on if you look at Joe Burrow's career, especially the past few past few years. That's when he's come alive as a as a top player in this league. And so it's kind of sad that he won't be able to be a part of this playoff push because I do think the Bengals very much so believe that they still have a shot at not just making the playoffs, maybe even a division title. Um, so I think they feel like they have a lot to play for, but they're going to be starting Jake Browning. There's a chance you may see A.J. McCarron roll tide. Um, wouldn't that be neat uh, to see A.J. play uh, this weekend or the next um, after what his career has been? And, like, I can go on, on for days of, of what his career should have been and, and how I felt like he kind of got ostracized by the league because um, he came in as a winner and he had that mentality. And so maybe they felt like he had to – earned his dues a little bit and came in a little bit too cocky. But guess what? Now everybody wants the cocky quarterback, so that's neither here nor there. But so many years removed from his success at Alabama and a, and a few stints. Had some time as the Cincinnati Bengals backup and came in for um, Andy Dalton at one point in time and was an LSU running back fumble away from getting them from getting them their first win in years that, you know, obviously, if you pay attention, Joe Burrow ended up ending that streak. But that could have been my guy, A.J. McCarron. But I'm excited. I think, you know, again, division games or something. We saw Snoop Huntley starting for the Ravens in the playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals and almost completing the upset, if not for a 
boneheaded play at the goal line, they're probably beating the Cincinnati Bengals with the healthy Joe Burrow, with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, with that defense. You know what I mean? So I don't care who's starting. I don't care what the narratives around both of these teams are. This is going to be a good matchup. Steelers, Bengals, it always is. AFC North, it always is good matchups. It doesn't matter who's playing this game. I can go be quarterback for one of these teams, and guess what? We still might have a chance just because of the game. Um, let me hand the ball off. I don't think he won't be throwing it, but I'll do something. I, 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 you know, I won't mess up too bad. I'll get us in field goal range maybe, but that's just how confident one should be um, in this division that regardless, like, yeah, Joe's out and, and you got some other other players nicked up, but guess what? It's an AFC North opponent. You got to wake up for it. You're going to wake up. For it. Cincinnati's going, Cincinnati fans are going to be ready. Pittsburgh, that's still curtain. Terrible towels. They're going to be ready. I'm excited for this matchup. I think it's going to be one of the better matchups of the weekend. Don't look at it on paper. Look at the game. If you love football, you know, Tom Brady was talking about the mediocrity of the NFL uh, yesterday and, and how the rules change have kind of made it impossible for defenders to play and yada, yada, yada. Watch this matchup. Watch AFC North teams go against each other. Football still exists when it's those uh, four teams going up against one another. And so Steelers fans, Bengals fans, y'all in for a good one. And if you're a fan of the game of football, you should, if you have the opportunity to, try to watch this game. Now, now, Saints versus Falcons. And look, before I dive into this rivalry, let me just say to who that nation to my Saints, look, it's been a tough year. Five and five, the league's easiest schedule, league's worst division, and we're only 500, 10 games in. And I stand by everything that I have said about this team, about Dennis Allen, about Derek Carr. I don't think they're the guys that they are in the positions to get us where we want to be, where we have gotten used to being. But if there is one thing, one thing on this planet that I can be thankful it is that I am not a Falcons fan. I mean, as bad as we are, we could always be them. And granted, they're right behind us in the NFC South or NFC South division race. But guess what? I mean, Hill Haneke and Desmond Ritter are your options. You, you spent high draft picks on a tight end and a running back that you didn't need and a wide receiver that's really a tight end because he's slow as molasses. Um, we could always be them. We could always be a have a coach that is supposed to be good on one side of the ball, but sucks at that side of the ball being Arthur Smith and whatever he calls an offense for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, we could always, I mean, look, our owner is a trophy wife, but so what? She does it well. Our owner could always be Arthur Blank, who hasn't had an original idea as an owner ever. When they go through how he's never been original, well, try to steal our GM. We have a running quarterback in Aaron Brooks and win the playoff game. What does he want to do? Oh, I want to go get Michael Vick. I'm going to trade to get Michael Vick, who is, is, is the Saints quarterback's cousin. I mean, good decision on his part, but still trying to be like us. Oh, don't get me started on the Mercedes-Benz 
Like, come on, man. Like, everything we do, you're trying to jock off us. Honestly, that's no surprise. Because look at the city of Atlanta, everything they do, they're trying to emulate New Orleans in every single way. But guess what? Our restaurants are better. Keith Lee ain't had no issues when he came to New Orleans. Especially when it comes to hospitality. Let's talk about that. But in T-Ways, I wouldn't be very hospitable if I had to root for the Atlanta Falcons either. So I can't blame the poor people. They have been through it. I mean, guess what, Saints fans? We can talk. We can be mad at Dennis Allen. We can be mad at Sneaky Pete. We can be mad at, at Cam Jordan and the defensive line not getting the pass rush. But guess what? You, right now, if you finish this episode, you need to get down on your knees and pray to God and thank him and thank him that he loved you enough to not make you a Falcons fan. I mean, there aren't too many things worse in the free worse in the free world. I mean, in, in the non-free world, there are a lot of things. That worse. There are not too many things worse in the free world where you have a choice, where you have a choice. You have rights. And you exercise your rights to root for the Atlanta Falcons and whatever poverty is going down there. Now, look, with all that being said, we know shit ain't sweet in this rivalry. The cities hate each other. The fans hate each other. And good God, everybody knows the teams hate each other. And much like the Iron Bowl, record does not matter. I bet if you asked a Saints fan and a Falcons fan, if you lost every game, but the games against these two teams, would you be happy? And they will emphatically say yes. The Saints can be 2-15 and 15 as long as two of those wins came against the Atlanta Falcons. And I guarantee you a Falcons fan would say the same thing in reverse about the New Orleans Saints. That's how much hate these two franchises have for one another. I, hell, I think I knew to hate Falcons before I could even speak. It's kind of a way of life. This is what it is. It's what it's always been. It's what it always will be. And so, guess what? I could joke about the quarterbacks. I could joke about Taylor Haneke and Derek Ritter. Falcons fans can joke about Derek Carr and Jameis Winston. But at the end of the day, we want our teams to win this game. And we understand that this shit never ends the way we want it to. There's been years the Saints sucked and the Falcons didn't. This is a three three point game. There's been years where the Saints are, are amazing and the Falcons suck, and this game is going down to the wire. Why? Because division games bring that out of you. And I can talk as much crap as I want about the Falcons. I'm not stupid. I am not in, in no way going to pick this game like I picked Alabama versus Auburn. No, it never goes that way. That would just be, be that would just me being. Uh, me choosing to be different for the sake of being different. These games rarely ever end in a blowout. Honestly, I can't think of the last time where we truly blew out the Falcons and vice versa. It's going to be a good game. You're probably going to see a bunch of bad football, but it's going to have its ups and its downs. And look, the Saints are not coming into this game feeling good. We're 5-5 five and five, uh, when we should be arguably seven and three, maybe six and four, eight and two to some. Some would say 10 and no. I think those folks are crazy. But we should be much better than we are right now. Derek Carr hasn't played towards his contract. Uh, James Winston has come in in certain, certain instances and showed some flashes. So, But who knows? I mean, there are a lot of unknowns for the Saints. We just got word that Michael Thomas is going to be on injured reserve, which basically means he's missing the next four games. 
So I guess AJ uh, Terrell is jumping up for joy because he won't get cooked again like a roasted falcon. But guess what? We still got smooth lava. We got Rashid Shahid. Hey, another touchdown. Perry is ready to make a name for himself. And what way? What better way to make a name for yourself? What better way to make a name for yourself than in this game right here? And so we have some weapons. We have some weapons galore. But it's going to be hard without Michael Thomas. I mean, he's a guy that even despite the injuries, he was still seeing double teams. He was seeing bracket coverage. So that just shows you that, wow, some of the world are saying, oh, he's hurt. He's washed. No. Defensive coordinators still watch film. They still prepare to stop this guy. And so not having him, that's going to mean, hey, Olave, you know, kind of going through the motions, you know, these 10 games and hot and cold with Derek Carr. Guess what, motherfuckers? Y'all got to be hot all the way, all the way. No, no lukewarm because you got to step up. Wide receiver ones have to step up in this moment. You won't be a wide receiver one. You want that wide receiver one contract. You want that wide receiver one love. It's time to step up. Rashid Shaheed, you're more than a gadget guy, and I think you've been proving that this season. But guess what? Now, now the stakes are higher. Now you can't be wide receiver three and have a one-on-one -on -one with safeties and whatever. Now, now, now you're a focus. You're a focal point now. Are you ready to step up? Juwan Johnson, I, I haven't seen you. I haven't seen you. Where you been at? Where you been at? I'm ready. I'm waiting. Can we get Jimmy Graham on the active roster? I don't know. So there are a lot of questions. Marshawn Lattimore. So I guess Rick London should be counting his lucky days. Him and AJ Terrell, they're going to be partying together because they just feel like they got it off easy because Michael Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore are both having significant injuries. But look, while the warden of Angola will not be playing, guess what? The vice warden, Paulson Nadebo, he has made a name for himself. I'm hoping uh, they, they put my boy Elante Taylor on the outside so he can lock some things up. And then we just slide whoever we want to in the slot because, you know, we have one of the better uh, depth pieces at cornerback in the league. And so I'm not too, too worried about what we can do in the past game. Obviously, Atlanta wants to run the ball anyway. So if anything, if anything, I'm more concerned with the run defense because at least that first game last year against Atlanta, they got anything and everything they wanted. Brandon Marcus Mariota was more of a natural runner at the quarterback position. You had Corderell Patterson, who kind of runs between the tackles like he's on kick return. So it's more of like a run through the hole instead of kind of tap dancing and that type of thing. But Tyler um, Algier, who was about a thousand yard rusher last year, actually got the prize pick, B. John Robinson, who can kill you in the pass game or the run game and the pass game as a receiver. And he's going to be looking looking to have some matchups against DeMario Davis and a Pete runner. And in some instances, my God, Zach Bond. So how can we stop the Atlanta Falcons offense? They're not pretty, but they're the Atlanta Falcons against the New Orleans Saints. Anything happens in this game. So we've seen Taste Hill for us go off against these guys. How is he going to be utilizing this game? Is Atlanta finally going to find the secret sauce to stop Taysom Hill from beating them like crazy? Who knows? Um, is Pete uh, Carmichael going to, you know, take, you know, Taysom off of probation and actually utilize him and remember that he's on the roster? Because we've seen moments this season where he's forgotten that Taysom is on the team. So what's it going to be? And I think an even bigger question right now for the New Orleans Saints is who's going to start at quarterback? Derek Carr is still in concussion protocol. Uh, granted, we're going to know more tomorrow with practice. Is he limited? Is he a full participant? Is he out? God forbid if he doesn't practice. And I mean, seriously, if he does not practice for this game, this is a road game. This is not a home game like we did versus Tampa. This is a road game, which means we got to 
spend some time for travel from New Orleans to Atlanta. He cannot play. We saw how bad it was when he didn't play or he didn't practice throughout the week versus Tampa, and we put him out there, and he didn't look good. We got our asses kicked. And at that time, you were thinking, oh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers got Baker Mayfield. They suck. And guess what? They took it to you in your house. And so you can have that mentality, right, with the Atlanta Falcons and how they've been offensively and how their defense is still going through woes. And think that Derek Carr can come in without practice. I mean, look, in the weeks he's had practice, he hasn't looked that good, folks. So there are some people that they don't have to practice and they'll look good. Derek Carr is not one of those people. He can't just take mental reps. He has to take the physical ones, too. And so we go through this week, whether it's Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, shit, Jake Hayner as the quarterback, you got to start one of those guys. You cannot start Derek Carr. If this is really a guy you're committed to, you can't keep putting him out there to look bad if he's not healthy. So who's going to start? Is Derek Carr going to be healthy enough to start? If he is healthy enough to start, are we going to get, you know, the Derek Carr we saw against, you know, Indy and New England? Or are we going to see the Derek Carr we saw against Jacksonville and Houston and, and even the Titans and the Panthers in games we won? Are we going to see the, see the Derek Carr we saw against Minnesota where we had no shot at winning that game until Jameis came in? When we get Jameis, do we get the – if he starts, do we get the good Jameis that brought us down and uh, or brought us back to only be within one score? The guy that we were down 16 in the fourth quarter to Atlanta last year and, and ended up having the largest comeback in New Orleans Saints football history. Like, are we getting that guy or are we getting the guy – you know, who turns the ball over at some of the worst times. Now, granted, that's not always on him, but guess what? A turnover is a turnover. That's what we see. So what are we getting? What's that preparation look like? Are we going to – if Derek Carr doesn't play, what does it look like for Taysom now? Does Taysom not get utilized because he's now the second quarterback to Jameis, and so you can't get him hurt? You know, it's just the things like that that matter. What's going on with our defensive line? Can they generate pressure? Again, Marshawn Ledmore, a guy that takes away half the field, right, is not playing. Is not playing. So how can you contain Desmond Ritter and, and not have him run the ball all over you, but also stop the running backs from getting off and also generating pressure and getting the, the opposing offense off the field on third downs and being able to generate some turnovers? I'm telling you. Devin Ritter is going to give you every single opportunity to take the ball away from him. Can we cash in on that, execute, get the turnover? Can we not kick field goals, not let it be uh, the, the Blake Groupie versus the Young Way Cool, uh, you know, matchup, the battle of the kickers? Can we get in the end zone? Can we keep the Falcons out of the end zone? I would love to stand up here and say we are going to kick their ass, but I know better. There's ways we can kick the ass that won't translate on the scoreboard. I want to see, can we run the ball better than them? Can we be more effective offensively and defensively on third down better than them? Can we generate turnovers? Can we execute in the red zone better than them? That's what I call domination. If every facet of the game, we've beaten the Atlanta Falcons, especially in the scoreboard, whether that's one point, two point, three point, 30 points, I don't care. I want to win. Every member of who that nation fan, player, owner, whatever. They want to win this game. We can go two. We got two games against the Falcons this year. We can go two and five the rest of the fucking way in the past, in the next seven. But you know what two games you can't lose? Do you know what two games you can't lose? Uh, here's a hint. One of them's coming up this Sunday at noon. 
You cannot lose this game. You cannot lose to this team. It just means more. It means too much. And so as a New Orleanian, as a Saints fan, ain't no, ain't no way in hell. I don't give a damn how much I hate Dennis Allen, how much I hate Derek Carr, how much I hate Pete Carmichael right now, how much I hate Mickey Loomis. And, and I'm sorry, Auntie Gail, but the way I'm hating Miss Benson right now, it's going to be all love on Sunday. We can, we family, right? We can forget it for one day. Because most of y'all on Thursday, y'all going to forget all that trauma and all the bad stuff you've been through for 364 days. But if for Thanksgiving, when you in Big Mama Kitchen and in our living room, you're going to forget all of that stuff. And so who that nation, we got to forget what we've been through these past few months. We got to forget. Because we need this game against this team. And look, like I said, there are a lot of things that one can be grateful for and thankful for. This is the season of, of gratefulness and thankfulness. And guess what? I will say it one more game. Lord Almighty, I am so glad I'm not a Falcons fan. Because when they always say, it could always be worse. I think this is what they mean. This Being a Falcons fan is in part of that. You know, and, and part of that tier of it could always be worse. There's always somebody that got it worse than you. Yeah, they uh, say rise up or whatever. That's that person that has it has it worse than me. Uh, I, I'll settle for saying who that every day of my life until I until my last breath. I'm I'm more than excited to say that. That's that's even through the Dennis Allen area era. That's through seventy nine seasons. That's through uh, quarterback purgatory because that's where we at right now. When it comes to Saints versus Falcons, I'm ready. I'm ready. And who that nation? Let's get ready. Let's unite. We can be mad at them again on Monday. But that's just because we mad at them for who they are, but not for losing to the Falcons. Because God, Lord, that we lose to the Falcons, everybody got to get fired. I mean, y'all need to get Todd Gray. Y'all need to have Todd Gray's on standby with the offer letter to Gail Benson. I'm that serious. If we lose to the Atlanta Falcons this weekend, my weekend ain't being ruined by losing to them damn bums. No way. No way in hell. Well, look, that's the end of our show. I told y'all this episode was going to be loaded like your cousins after that walk on Thanksgiving. And so I hope that y'all love it and, and you actually want to watch all of this because I know your boy talked a lot. But, man, for real, even if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, have a happy Thanksgiving. Spend this time with family. Spend this time with your loved ones. Eat some good food. Um, watch some good football. Uh, don't eat those leftovers after three days. That's nasty. Um, but, man, it's it's just a wonderful time, especially for the people that work a lot. Uh, for those that's working on the holiday, just want to thank y'all for sacrificing your time uh, to, to service others. And for those that like myself, that get a chance to be off and spend time, man, spend time with your people. Um, you only get so many moments. So enjoy yourself. Happy holidays. Won't have an episode on Friday because your boy going to be stuffing his face with Thanksgiving leftovers. But can't wait to see y'all on Tuesday of next week. And hopefully I'm in a good mood because Alabama and the Saints have done their damn jobs. If I did anything to offend anybody, 
that's a good thing. It's an opportunity for me to learn. It's an opportunity for you to teach me. All I ask is that you keep it respectful. Peace.